Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jangda. If you enjoy and benefit from listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free with you, and your donation ensures that we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has tens of thousands of listeners. So the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting this effort is endless, inshallah. You never know who will be able to benefit from your contributions and donations. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Inshallah, continuing with our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabawiya, the prophetic biography. In the previous session, we talked about the very difficult and very tragic passing of the Prophet ﷺ. And we talked about it at length, uh, of course, just to kind of uh, remind ourselves uh, that this is basically the greatest tragedy that's ever come upon the world, come upon humanity, and the Ummah of the Prophet we talked about that Monday morning on which the Prophet ﷺ left this world and departed for the uh, hereafter, for the afterlife. And we talked about the immediate aftermath of the passing of the Prophet ﷺ with some of the reactions from the companions, the obvious shock and pain and dismay that they were in. We also talked about how Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu the best friend of the Prophet ﷺ amongst the people, the closest of his companions, someone who was there from the very beginning, who, how he basically managed that whole situation as best as anyone could have ever managed it and anyone could ever be expected to. And how he held the ummah together by addressing everyone and consoling everyone and reminding everyone of the legacy of the Prophet ﷺ and really what the Prophet ﷺ wanted from us, what he taught us and what he left us with. What we're going to be talking about over the next um, couple of sessions which will lead us to the conclusion of this series of the life of the Prophet ﷺ is are two uh, things that I felt are important to talk about in the aftermath of the passing of the Prophet and typically the scholars who have written on the life of the Prophet they typically mention two things in the aftermath of his passing before they conclude their narrative of the life of the Prophet The first one is, and this is going to go in chronological order as we have done all throughout the series, we've been following the chronology of the life of the Prophet the first thing is the appointing of a successor and a, a successor to the Prophet ﷺ and a leader of the Ummah, of the Muslims. And then secondly, what we'll be talking about is the funeral, if you will, of the Prophet ﷺ. What, how did they exactly prepare the Prophet ﷺ's body for burial? How did they say their farewells to the Prophet ﷺ. And then 
where and how they laid him to rest. And what's very interesting and fascinating, today we'll be talking about succession and the appointing of a leader and a successor to the Prophet ﷺ. What's very fascinating is, normally if we were to talk about or have a conversation in regards to someone's passing, the idea normally would be that the very first thing that would be done in the event of someone's passing is that the funeral is arranged for and taken care of. And that no doubt was the advice of the Prophet ﷺ as well. He advised us that when someone passes away to not unnecessarily delay the funeral rites. But the operative, the key word there is unnecessarily. To not delay it without necessity. And in the case of the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, his funeral rites, if you will, were not delayed. We're not, it's not what can be called a delay. It was not delayed beyond necessity at all. But nevertheless, it was not the very first thing that was done after his passing. There was something that was deemed extremely important and significant at the time of the passing of the Prophet ﷺ. As became very evident literally in the minutes after his passing. The Prophet ﷺ is the messenger and the Prophet of God. He is the leader of humanity. He is the leader of the Ummah, of the Muslims. And he had done everything from introduce them to Islam, introduce them to God, to Allah, bring them into the fold of the religion of Islam, teach them the religion, teach them how to live their lives, teach them what is the meaning and the purpose of their existence, instruct them practically on how to live their lives, lead by example, so on and so forth. He had done everything. And in the immediate aftermath of the passing of the messenger, peace be upon him, as you can imagine, there was a lot of confusion. And there was obviously the heartache and the pain of losing him. But there was also some confusion. There was a little disarray. You had the idea of what are we supposed to do? Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, literally said those words. Does anyone know what we're supposed to do now? And as we saw very clearly demonstrated, beautifully demonstrated, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, when he ascended the mimbar that day, when he climbed up on the pulpit, and he addressed the Muslims and the Ummah, and reminded them of their purpose, reminded them of what they're supposed to do, you saw the calming and the soothing effect that it had on the people. We're sitting here 1400 years later, halfway across the world, and even when we today talk about, read about, listen to the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, it creates such a sense of sadness and pain. And it makes you think about like, what, what would I do in that situation? And when we talk further about Abu Bakr climbing on the mimbar steps, standing up on the mimbar, and addressing the people and reminding everyone of who they are and what they're supposed to do and who the Prophet ﷺ was and what he wanted us to do. 
Even for us today, it creates this comic effect. And it gives, reminds us of our sense of purpose. And so, in that scenario that unfolded, it was very quickly realized that the most immediate need was actually to make sure that we had leadership. That we had leadership in place. And so that we could move forward as a cohesive unit. The people could continue to operate as an ummah, as a collective, as a unit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّ هَذِهِ أُمَّتُكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا That this nation of yours, this group of yours, this collective of yours, ummatan, which means one nation, but then for the sake of emphasis, Allah says, wahida. It is one singular nation. You are one singular unified group. Allah, the Prophet ﷺ gave us multiple analogies to help us understand how important the unity and the cohesiveness of the Muslim Ummah is. Where the Prophet ﷺ said, Kalbunyan yashuddu ba'duhu ba'da. Al-Muslimuna kalbunyan. That the believers, the Muslims, together, unified, collected together, are like a structure. One brick is supporting the other brick. They're held up together. The Prophet ﷺ in another narration, he says that, kajasadin wahidin, that the Muslim collective is like one body. When a part of it is suffering, all of it feels that pain. And all of it has to compensate to relieve that one suffering part of it. And so in this way, the Prophet ﷺ explained to us, Remain as a family. So in that moment, that realization was there, that we need to be unified. And the passing of the Prophet ﷺ was something that obviously... But at the same time, it was also something that was just so traumatic, and so unique, and so important and significant, that there was also the idea that this is, this is a ripe situation. This situation is ripe for there to be a lot of disagreement and dispute and even conflict, if not handled very carefully. Even just the funeral rites of the Prophet how do we do that? How do we go about that? What, is, what are we to do? What are we not supposed to do? Some of the immediate affairs of the Prophet and his family, how do we manage those things? And then the Muslim Ummah altogether. There was also the idea that, that was there that much of the Arabian Peninsula Jaziratul Arab had embraced and accepted Islam in the last year, year and a half before the passing of the Prophet And many of them were still very, you know, they, they didn't have the kind of solidification in their faith and in their conviction potentially. That there being a vacuum or an absence of some strong, sound leadership could also create a lot of uncertainty for people. And this fundamentally reminds us of how important leadership actually is. And so in that moment, 
on that same day of the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, later that day, there was this realization that what are we to do in the aftermath? And the scenario that unfolded, so what we're gonna be talking about today is still that day of Monday, the day the Prophet ﷺ passed away. And then we will touch on the following morning, Tuesday morning. On that Monday, and what tra- continued to transpire onto Tuesday, the event that describes what occurred is actually described often as Saqifatu Bani Sa'ida. Saqifatu Bani Sa'ida. Saqifatu Bani Sa'ida, the Saqifa, basically this refers to what used to be on the outskirts of Medina at that time, on the edge of Medina. Remarkably, as I've mentioned previously a few times, the Masjid of the Prophet the sanctuary, the masjid has grown so much that it essentially is the size of the old city of Medina. And the Saqifa Bani Sa'ida, which was on the outskirts or on the outer edge of the city of Medina at that time, is actually pretty much right outside the masjid of the Prophet If somebody is facing towards the Qibla, it is towards the right-hand side of the masjid, towards the back of the masjid. So if you go outside the compound of Masjid Nabawi, towards the right of the masjid in the back, you basically come, you see the place of Saqifah to Bani Sa'idah. What the Saqifah was, Banu Sa'idah was the name of the tribe, the name of the people who lived in that area. Saqifah basically refers to a garden. So there was a garden there and it was known as the garden of the people of Banu Sa'idah. These people were Ansar. And so this event transpires over there. So the Prophet ﷺ passes away. We talked about it. It was around mid-morning, almost noontime. Abu Bakr gathered the people together, rallied the people, reminded the people, consoled the people, comforted the people. They prayed their Salat al-Dhuhr. And then later that day, uh, there was this understanding and this realization that, okay, what are we going to do about this vacuum of leadership that is created? So... At that time, Ali and Zubair, Ali and Zubair, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, these are two of the senior, very tenured companions of the Prophet and they are also family members of the Prophet um, Ali radiallahu ta'ala of course, as we all know, is not only the cousin of the Prophet the son of Abu Talib, but he's also married to the daughter of the Prophet the only child of the Prophet to survive him, Fatima al-Zahra, Sayyida Fatima al-Zahra radiallahu ta'ala anha. And Zubair, Az-Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Zubair ibn al-Awam, he is the cousin of the Prophet He is the cousin of the Prophet His mother was the aunt of the Prophet Safiya who is buried in Al-Baqiyah. And Zubair was married to the sister of Aisha, Asma bint Abi Bakr, the daughter of Abu Bakr. Being the family members of the Prophet Ali and Zubair basically went to the home of Fatima, in the home of Ali. They went there to console and to comfort and to be with the family members, particularly Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. So they were there. Meanwhile, uh, Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was with Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Many of the muhajirun, the, um, 
the, the, the people who had migrated from Mecca to Medina, the Muslims, the Muhajirun, they were gathered there together with Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, and they were in the masjid. Meanwhile, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu heard the news that the Ansar were gathering together some of the leadership of the Ansar, the local Medinan Muslims, they had gathered together in the garden of Banu Sa'ida. They had gathered there together to just console one another and to also try to figure out what is the course forward? What is the path forward? What are we to do now? At that time, they said that we should go and meet with our brothers, Ikhwanana min al-Ansar. We should go and meet with our brothers from the Ansar. So they said that we went there, and when we arrived there, we met with the Ansar. And once we went there and we sat down with them, they were all gathered there together. There was a man who was kind of sitting in the middle, they were all gathered around him. He was wrapped up in a shawl. And it was Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, who was the leader of the Khazraj. He was a leader of the Khazraj tribe amongst the Ansar. So he was sitting there and he was considered a senior of their community. So he was sitting there, everyone was kind of sitting around him. They were gathered there together, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, along with many of the muhajirun, they walked in, they entered in. They greeted one another. They asked Sa'ad bin Ubadah, he was wrapped up in a shawl, they asked him if he was okay, he said, I've just been sick, I haven't been feeling well. So they said that, please sit with us. They all sat down. One of the Ansar, he stood up at that time. And he praised and glorified Allah. And he said, Amma ba'd, فَنَحْنُ أَنصَارُ اللَّهِ وَكَتِيبَةُ الْإِسْلَامِ They said that we are the helpers of God. Like the helpers of the religion of Allah. نَحْنُ أَنصَارُ اللَّهِ وَكَتِيبَةُ الْإِسْلَامِ we are like the backbone of Islam. وَأَنْتُمْ يَا مَعْشَرُ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ رَحْتُمْ And they said that you, O Muhajirun, you came and basically joined us. You are now a group amongst us. وَقَدْ دَفَتْ دَافَةٌ مِنْكُمْ تُرِيدُونَ أَنْ يَخْتَزِلُونَ مِنْ أَصْلِنَا وَيَحْدُنُونَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ and he goes on to say, he said that what we're hearing now is that you are going to take the reins of leadership on Muhajirun. And you're basically going to cast us aside. And you're going to take over the leadership. He then got quiet and he sat down. Umar bin al-Khattab says, فَلَمَّا سَكَتَ أَرَاتُ أَنَا أَتَكَلَّمُ once he got quiet and he finished and he sat down, he said, I wanted to speak up. And he said, وَقَدْ زَوَّرْتُ مَقَالَةً أَعْجَبَتْنِي أَرَتُ أَنْ أَقُولَهَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْ أَبِي بَكْرَ He said, I had been thinking while he was talking about what I would say. And I thought I had figured out a really good presentation to make. I felt like I had the words that I wanted to present here. And I wanted to say it you know, I, I wanted to state what I had to say, and I wanted to say it while Abu Bakr was present, because it was going to be related to Abu Bakr. But he said, what made me hesitate was 
that I know my demeanor, I know my temper, and I know that I'm a little bit of a passionate person. Umar says, I knew that I was a passionate person. وَهُوَ كَانَ أَحْلَمْ مِنِّي وَأَوْقَرْ was a lot more forbearing than I was. He was a lot more patient. He was a lot more sophisticated. He was a lot more calm, cool, and collected than I was. And he said, I was thinking about what I should say. And I started to kind of like, you know when you kind of sit, you're about to speak and you sit up straight and you kind of gather your breath and you can see that somebody's getting ready to say something. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu gestured to me and he said, ala rislik. He said, relax, relax. Meaning telling me not to rush to say anything. فَكْرِهِتُ أَنْ أُغْدِبَهُ I did not want to upset him. وَكَانَ أَعْلَمْ مِنِّي وَأَوْقَرَ I knew that he was more knowledgeable than me and more dignified than me. And then he goes on to say, kind of foreshadow, he says, وَاللَّهِ مَا تَرَكَ مِنْ كَلِمَةٍ أَعْجَبَتْنِي فِي تَزْوِيرِي إِلَّا قَالَهَا فِي بَدِيهَتِهِ وَأَفْضَلْ حَتَّى سَكَتْ he said, ultimately, I did not regret not speaking. I never ended up regretting remaining quiet and deferring to Abu Bakr. Because he said everything that I was thinking and even better. He said, he ended up saying everything I had wanted to say and even better. What did he say? He said, فَقَدَ ذَكَرْتُمْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَأَنْتُمْ أَهْلُهُ He said, the good that you have said about yourselves, that you supported Islam and you supported the Prophet and you gave a home to Islam. One narration says that he mentioned all the narrations in which the Prophet ever said anything good about the Ansar. All the virtues of the Ansar, he mentioned all of them. You know that you are the people about whom the Prophet said, لَوْ سَلَكَ النَّاسُ وَادِيًا that if all humanity went one way and the Ansar went another way, I would go the way of the Ansar. You are the people. And he mentioned all their virtues. He said, everything good about you, you know it, I know it, we know it, and it is true. فَأَنْتُمْ أَهْلُهُ And you were deserving of all of that praise. He said, وَلَمْ تَعْرِفِ الْعَرَبَ هَذَا الْأَمْرِ إِلَّا لِهَذَا الْحَيْمِ مِنْ قُرَيْشِ he said, however, what we are talking about here today is that all of the Arabian Peninsula and now even some areas outside of the Arabian Peninsula, Bahrain had come into the fold of Islam. And there were other outerlying regions which had started to come into the fold of Islam. What we are here gathered here talking about today and that is unifying all of Arabia together and leading all of Arabia very strongly and confidently and properly, that is something that no other community has experience in other than the Quraysh. The Quraysh are the only tribe, we are the only people who have led all of Arabia, whose leadership all of Arabia has accepted, tribally speaking. Of course, the Prophet but meaning tribally speaking. I mean, he's the Prophet of God, so that's a given. After him, aside from him, there's nobody else who has experience in that other than the Quraysh. And he said, Hum nasaban wadaran. The Quraysh have always been considered the premier tribe of Arabia in terms of lineage, 
in terms of family history, and in terms of home. They have always been the caretakers of the holy sanctuary, the Kaaba, Mecca, the Haram. وَقَدَ رَضِيتُ لَكُمْ أَحَدَ هَذَيْنَ الرَّجُلَيْنِ أَيُّمَا شِئْتُمْ And then Abu Bakr radiallahu says, Therefore, when he saw, when he was speaking and he saw, everyone was understanding, nodding along and agreeing with what he was saying, because he's speaking very logically. And again, not only that, but you see kind of the, the methodology of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. He started by praising them, acknowledging them, giving them, deferring to them every virtue that was righteously and properly afforded to them. And that they were deserving of, deserved by them. So he didn't, make, he didn't allow them to feel undermined. As the one gentleman had said previously, we hear you're going to cast us aside. No, 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 nobody's casting anyone aside. You're the Ansar. You're the beloved of the Prophet How could we cast you aside? You're our brothers. But what we're talking about here, and he presented this very logical case. And then, so then he said, that if you all agree with me, I have two individuals that I will suggest to you that can do this task of leading us. They, they have the, the qualifications necessary. They are companions of the Prophet ﷺ. They were with the Prophet ﷺ through thick and thin for a very long time. They are from the Quraysh. So all the rest of Arabia will also recognize their credibility. There are two people that I will suggest as leaders here. Abu Bakr said. And who are those two people? وَأَخَذَ بِيَدِي وَبِيَدِي أَبِي عُبَيْدَةِ إِبْنَ الْجَرَّاحِ Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala Umar narrates, he said, Abu Bakr after saying this, he said, I suggest one of two people, whomever you'd like. He said, he grabbed my hand. I was sitting next to him, he took my hand. And on the other side of him was Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah. Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah is a senior companion of the Prophet from the early days of Mecca. From the early days of Mecca, had been through thick and thin, had made the hijrah, made the, made the migration to Medina, served by the side of the Prophet traveled with him, prayed with him, learned from him, sat with him, walked with him, talked with him. And on top of everything else, the Prophet ﷺ said about him, Aminu هَذِهِ ummah." He is the most trustworthy man of my ummah. And the Prophet ﷺ had appointed him in charge of the Baytul Mal, the public fund. Because he said, I don't know anybody more trustworthy than this man. I trust him with anything. So because of these qualifications, Umar says, Abu Bakr, after saying this, he took my hand, he took the hand of Abu Ubaid ibn al-Jarrah, and... He said, pick one of these two. He said, فَلَمْ مِمَّا قَالَ غَيْرَهَا He said, this was the only thing I wish Abu Bakr hadn't said. Umar says, I agreed with everything he said except for this part, where he suggested me for khilafah. I said, well, that, that I don't agree with. He says, وَكَانَ وَاللَّهِ أَنْ أُقَدِّمَ فَتُضْرَبَ عُنُقِي لَا يُقَرِّبُنِي ذَلِكَ إِلَىٰ إِثْمٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّا أَنْ أَتَأَمَّرْ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ فِيهِمْ أَبُو بَكْرٍ He said that if I had stepped forward at that moment and said, yes, I'll take the leadership, I would have been, it would have been justified to strike me down where I stood. Because he says that I would have rather be killed. 
I would rather be killed in cold blood than to commit the sin of stepping forward and taking the reins of leadership while Abu Bakr was present. Because we all knew. And not forgetting the fact that in the final days of the Messenger wasallam, when, when he needed someone to stand at his place and lead the prayer, he appointed Abu Bakr. So how could I step forward at this point? So he says that one of the Ansar, he stood up and he said, أَنَا جَذَيْنُهَا الْمُحَكَّكَ He says that, you know, no, it's an expression in the Arabic language, which basically means, you know, we mean no offense and we mean no harm. But may I give a suggestion? He says, مِنَّا أَمِيرٌ وَمِنْكُمْ أَمِيرٌ يَا مَعَشَرَ قُرَيْشٍ he says that, how about this? I have a suggestion. We appoint a leader from the Ansar, and you, Quraysh, the Muhajirun, appoint a leader from yourselves. And we'll have two leaders. We'll have two communities. We'll collaborate. We'll work together. But you have your leader, we have our leader. He says that at that time, he said, the moment that man said that, and people started to object, and people started to say, no, that's not okay. and You know, the, the, the vibe that, that gets created, the, the environment that is created. Somebody says, no, that's not okay. And somebody says, it could work. And somebody says, no, it couldn't work. Why couldn't it work? Well, it won't work for this. And all of a sudden, everyone's cross-talking. Everyone's talking amongst themselves. They're discussing, they're debating, they're talking. And the voices are being raised. And it just... It wasn't a dispute, it wasn't a conflict yet, but it's just everybody was talking all at once. Everybody was talking to the guy next to them. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala said, in a sensitive moment like that, that is not a good look. That is not a good vibe. In a sensitive moment like that. And he said, I was afraid that this could lead to conflict. This will lead to conflict. So he said, kind of seizing the moment, I took Abu Bakr's hand. He was holding my hand a minute ago. I took his hand. I said, open your hand. He opened his hand. And he said that, I put my hand on his hand. And I said, I pledge my allegiance to you as my leader. He said, the moment I did that, everyone got quiet. Everyone saw. And the people who were sitting immediately around him, Many of the Muhajirun, they all came forth and they put their hand on Abu Bakr's hand and they all pledged their allegiance. And the Ansar saw that and they were sitting a little bit further away from him. They all started getting up one after another, walking over to him, putting their hand in his hand and saying, we pledge our allegiance to you. And he says that Sa'ad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, so I'll get to that in just a minute, but Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, that أَمَا وَاللَّهِ مَا وَجَدْنَا فِي مَا حَضَرْنَا أَمْرًا هُوَ أَوْفَقْ مِنْ مُبَايَعَةِ أَبِي بَكَرْ He says that I have never witnessed everyone so quickly and immediately and completely agree to anything after the Prophet ﷺ like I saw everyone in that moment agree that Abu Bakr should be our leader. Immediately in that moment everyone came and gave their Allegiance to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. There are some other narrations that 
tell us some of the more details of that scenario and that conversation. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala narrates in a narration found in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad that when the Prophet passed away and some of the Ansar said, we should have our leader and you should have your own leader. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Ya ma'ashir al-Ansar, O oh, my brothers of the Ansar, alasthum ta'alamun, don't you know, don't you remember? Anna Rasulullah qad amara Abu Bakrin an ya'umman nasa. That the Prophet ﷺ commanded Abu Bakr to lead the people in prayer. So now who amongst you feels comfortable standing in front of Abu Bakr? If the Prophet ﷺ put him in the spot of the Imam, which of you is comfortable going and standing in front of him? Essentially what he was implying was, which of you is okay defying the advice of the Prophet ﷺ? فَقَالَتِ الْأَنصَارِ The Ansar said, نَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنَّ تَقَدَّمَ أَبَا بَكْرِ May God protect us from trying to step ahead of Abu Bakr. In the narration of Nasa'i. Umar who says, He said at that moment, after people started giving the bay'ah to Abu Bakr, giving the oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, يَا مَعَشَرَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ O Muslims, come forth. The most deserving of us to lead us after the Prophet is his companion in the cave. His companion in the cave. The one whom Allah referred to in the Quran as the second of the two people who took refuge in the cave. Abu Bakr al-Sabbaq al-Mubin. Abu Bakr who is clearly ahead of all of us. And in one narration, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that when he took the hand of Abu, when he took the hand of Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr's hand, and he went to go give the bay'ah to Abu Bakr, a man from the Ansar stepped up and put his hand in between and put his hand on Abu Bakr's hand first from the Ansar, a leader from the Ansar, a senior leader from the Ansar, he stuck his hand in and put his hand in first before Omar's hand to demonstrate the fact that we are unified, we are in agreement on this. And that senior individual who put his hand in first to, to give the oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr, his name was Bashir ibn Sa'd. And he is the father of An-Nu'man ibn Bashir, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Bashir ibn Sa'ad was one of the senior leaders of the Ansar community. Furthermore, it's mentioned about this moment that Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, after everyone started giving the oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said to Sa'ad bin Ubadah. So the, I had brought up his name earlier. He was a leader of the Ansar. He was a very senior leader of their community. They had all gathered around him. There was, there were, there was initially some sentiment that Sa'ad bin Ubadah is also capable of leading us. And now when this unification occurred, this disagreement occurred, this consensus was occurring, was building on the leadership of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sa'ad bin Ubadah was still sitting there 
As we had mentioned before, he was wrapped up in a shawl, he was sick. He was sitting there. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, Ya Sa'ad, laqad alimta ya Sa'ad. He said, my brother, Sa'ad, you know. Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala wa The Prophet sallallahu once said, and I remember you were there in that gathering, you heard these words personally, directly from the mouth of the Prophet sallallahu When he said, Quraishun wulatu hadha al-amr. Quraishun wulatu hadha al-amr. The Quraysh will lead the ummah going forward. فَبَرُّ النَّاسِ تَبَعُونَ لِبَرِّهِمْ وَفَاجِرُهُمْ تَبَعُونَ لِفَاجِرِهِمْ And good people follow good people and bad people follow bad people. And Sa'ad bin Ubadah, when Umar said this to him, he says, Sadaqt. He said, my brother, Umar, you speak the truth. You are correct. I did hear the Prophet ﷺ saying that. He acknowledged it. And he stood up at that time. And he said, نَحْنُ الْوُزَرَى وَأَنْتُمْ الْأُمَرَى نَحْنُ الْوُزَرَى وَأَنْتُمْ الْأُمَرَى We shall be the advisors, as we had been during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, and you will be our leaders. We will be the advisors, we will be the supporters, as we have always been Ansar, and you will be the leaders. And he also gave the oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala Now, at that time, there was a pretty large gathering there in the garden of Banu Sa'idah, Saqifah Banu Sa'idah. And the majority of the senior leadership was present there. They all gave their oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala The next day, which is Tuesday, the next morning, after Fajr, in the morning, of course, people gathered together for Salat al-Fajr. Everyone gathered together. And immediately after Salat al-Fajr, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he asked Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, can you please go sit on the mimbar? Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu went and sat on the mimbar. And people started coming in and flocking in. And anyone who was not present there the day before, yesterday, on Monday, was not present in the garden of Banu Sa'idah to give the oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr. They all were there for the morning prayer and they all started coming forth giving the oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And at that time, pretty much the entirety of the Medinan community and all those who were there from out of town because of the passing of the Prophet everyone, فَبَايَعَهُ النَّاسُ عَمَّةً Everyone gave the oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now, at this time, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, after everyone gave the oath of allegiance to him, and now it had become official, the consensus had been achieved. Everyone agreed on the leadership of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and given the oath of allegiance to him. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu then addressed the people. This is the inaugural address of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu as the successor of the Prophet فَحَمِدَ اللَّهُ وَأَثْنَى عَلَيْهِ بِمَا هُوَ أَهْلُهُ He praised and glorified God. And he said, أَمَّا بَعْدُ أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ Listen, O people. فَإِنِّي قَدْ وُلِّيْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ He said, I have been given 
the responsibility to lead you. But I am not the best amongst you. I have been given the, lead, the responsibility of leading you, but I am not better than any of you. This is the humility of Abu Bakr He says, if I am good, help me, aid me, support me if I am good. When asatu, if I make a mistake, فَقَوِّمُونِي Then correct me. أَسِدْقُ amanatun. Honesty is a trust. Honesty is a trust, meaning I expect you to be honest with me. وَالْكِذْبُ خِيَانَةٌ Lying is a betrayal. Lying is a betrayal. I don't want you to ever lie to me. Tell me what you think I want to hear. No, no, no always be honest with me. وَالْضَعِيفُ فِيكُمْ قَوِيٌّ عِنْدِي حَتَّى أُرِيحَ عَلَيْهِ حَقَّهُ Someone who is weak and has been oppressed amongst you is the most powerful person to me until I can give that person their right. Until I can address the wrong that has been done to that person. Insha'Allah. وَالْقَوِيُّ فِيكُمْ ضَعِيفٌ حَتَّى أَخُذَ الْحَقَّ مِنْهُ Insha'Allah. And he said that the, the, the strongest or the most powerful person amongst you will be weak in my eyes. Meaning I will hold that person accountable. I will prosecute that person to the best of my ability until I can take from that person, I can make that person make amends for the wrong that they have done to someone else. If God wants. لا يدعو قوم الجهاد في سبيل الله إلا ضربهم الله بذل he said that whenever a people stop striving and struggling in the path of God, God humiliates them. Never stop striving. Never stop struggling. وَلَا تَشِيعُ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي قَوْمٍ إِلَّا عَمَّهُمُ اللَّهُ بِالْبَلَاءِ He said whenever shamelessness, lewdness, sinfulness becomes widespread in a community, God afflicts them with terrible punishments. So obey me, listen to me, so long as I am obedient to God and His Messenger But if I disobey God and His Messenger, you are not obligated to listen to me. You're not obligated to listen to me. He said, now let's pray. May God have mercy upon all of you. And in this way, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he gave this inaugural address. Now, there's a couple of things that need to be mentioned here. I had mentioned earlier that Az Zubayr, the cousin of the Prophet, and Ali bin Abi Talib, was also a cousin of the Prophet and was his son-in-law and was basically raised by the Prophet Two of the closest people to the Prophet Right? The Prophet said to Ali Are you not pleased, O Ali, that your door will be across from my door in paradise? Are you not happy to be my neighbor in paradise? He said to Zubair, Az-Zubair, 
that every prophet will have like bodyguards in paradise, kind of just hawari, people that go with him everywhere he goes. And he said, Zubair and Talha will be my hawari, will be my bodyguard, will be my, my detail in paradise. These are two very prestigious people, very respected people, very beloved to the Prophet And as I mentioned earlier, in the aftermath of the passing of the Prophet the tragedy, they went to the home of Fatima to look after Fatima, console her, and that was where a lot of the family members of the Prophet were gathering to console one another, to comfort one another, to be with each other in the wake of this tragedy. The Pro- After Abu Bakr anhu took the oath of allegiance from all the people gathered there, he kind of scanned the crowd and he noticed two people were not here who were very important. They were important during the lifetime of the Prophet they were very important for the future of the Ummah. They were very important going forward. And that was Zubair and Ali. So when he saw that Zubair, as Zubair was not there, he sent someone to go call Zubair. When Zubair was told that Abu Bakr is calling you to the masjid, he came right away. When he came and he walked in and he came to Abu Bakr Abu Bakr said, Ibn Ammati Rasulillahi sallallahu wa He said, Oh cousin of the Prophet and his personal bodyguard, Hawari, like I mentioned before. Aradta anta He said, You would never want to divide the Ummah. I know you. You're a good person. You would never want to divide the Ummah. He said, لا تثريب يا خليفة رسول الله He said, of course not, O oh, 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 successor of the Messenger of God. There is no hard feelings, of course not. I was just there looking after the family, and he immediately stood up, put his hand in the hand of Abu Bakr and gave him the oath of allegiance. Abu Bakr continues to look amongst the crowd, and he notices none other than Ali, Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Ali, Ali al-Murtada, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu is not present. So he asked someone, please go and call Ali for me. They went, they informed him, Abu Bakr is calling you, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu came. And he said, Ibn Ammi Rasulullah sallallahu wa khatnuhu ala ibnatihi. He said, oh cousin of the Prophet sallallahu And the son-in-law of the Prophet sallallahu The husband of the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu you are very beloved and respected to us. He says, You would never dare divide the Ummah. And he said, He said, Of course not, O successor to the Prophet. And again, he stood up, he came forth, he put his hand in the hand of Abu Bakr, and he gave him the oath of allegiance. And pledges allegiance to Abu Bakr, as Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And many of the scholars have written, Ibn Kathir rahmahullah ta'ala amongst them, he writes, وَمَنْ تَأَمَّلَ مَا ذَكَرْنَاهُ ظَهَرَ لَهُ إِجْمَاعُ الصَّحَابَةِ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ مِنْهُمَ الْأَنصَارِ عَلَى تَقْدِيمِ أَبِي بَكْرِ He said, anyone who reads through this moment of the history of the Ummah will come to the inevitable conclusion and realization that there was what we refer to in Islamic terminology as ijma', 
there was an absolute consensus upon the leadership of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala. And so, once again, we find that the legacy of the Prophet that these people whom the Prophet had taught, and he had nurtured, and he had trained, and he had mentored, while they were dealing with, it hasn't even been 24 hours since the passing of the Prophet Their hearts are shattered. I mean, we just read in the previous session, we talked about how the Sahaba say, it's like all the light was sucked out of the world. It was the middle of the day. And they said it felt like it was dark. Like, I felt like if I would put, Sahabi says, I felt like if I would hold my hand in front of my face, I couldn't see my own hand. We were in a daze, in a haze. Nothing made sense. It was the greatest tragedy that ever occurred. But you see the legacy of the Prophet That while they're dealing with this tragedy and going through all of this, they understand the mandate and the mission of the Prophet That Islam has to continue. The word of God must carry on. And Muslim Ummah has to continue. And so as painful as it was, as difficult as it was, as badly as they would have wanted to just kind of crawl into a corner and cry yourself to sleep. They stood up, they pulled themselves together, they rallied together, thought about the future, they thought about us. And they organized themselves. Put Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu they're in the position of leadership, and they said, lead us. Lead us forward. And so this is the first thing that I wanted to talk about in the immediate aftermath of the passing of the Prophet And that was the succession of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala. This was the very first thing the Sahaba did after the passing of the Prophet That same day, Monday evening and Tuesday early morning. The last thing that we're going to talk about in the next session, inshaAllah, is the arrangement of the funeral and the burial of the Prophet And with that, inshaAllah, we'll conclude this particular study and this particular series. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to practice everything that's been said and heard. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahu wa bihamdik, nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, nasaghfiruka wa natubu ilayhi.